You're listening to the What's Happening in Christmas Lighting podcast with David Henry. He'll be giving you tips, tricks, ideas, news on new gear, but most importantly, help you make a great Christmas light show. Welcome to episode 6 of What's Happening in Christmas Lighting. In this episode, David and Crystal will walk you through networking in the Christmas lighting hobby. Do you use your home network or a dedicated show network? Do your controllers need internet? What router do you need? Do you make your own cat cables or do you buy them pre-made? And we'll also tell you about the pixels we are now selling on the Learn Christmas Lighting store. Welcome back to What in the World Could Possibly Be Happening in Christmas Lighting. I'm David, sort of your host, and she's... And I'm Crystal, your other sort of host. <laughs> the real host. No, I barely know what's going on here. Um, but for those who don't know, I'm David Henry from LearnChristmasLighting.com. We specialize in helping people learn how to do Christmas lighting. Imagine that. Um, could have come up with a better name, but I didn't. Uh, and now we're stuck with it. Um, but hey, um, good to have you here today. We're going to be talking about networking. So if you hear us talk about computer networking or, or you see that topic and it scares you, stick around. If you hear us talking about networking and you're an IT professional who's dabbling in Christmas lighting or what have you, you probably should turn this off now um, because we're going to keep things simple and we'll probably say some things that are not 100% correct but apply really well in Christmas lighting. And so just have that warning. <laughs> oh, Don't goodness come me. after us. Absolutely. We also wanted to let you guys know uh, we are ramping up um, selling pixels. So, you know, every year there's a billion new pixel vendors on the market. Um, my recommendation is you really should stick with somebody who's been around for a while, make sure they have good quality stuff, um, such as the places we recommend. Um, but for a year or two, we've been selling, we've been providing Matos Designs pixels. We now are stocking them, uh, which means uh, we have a little bit better availability on, on stuff and, and kind of know are able to get it out within a day or two much quicker. Um, so if you like what we're doing here, you like to support us. Um, we've got Matos Pixels. It's the same cost as at Matos, um, but you get to support us and Matos at the same time. So everybody wins. And, and they're by far out of all the hobbyist grade pixels that exist out there. Um, they are by far the most reliable pixels I've ever had. And that's why we go with them. So what are we talking about today? Networking. We're talking about networking. So, uh, as a relatively new, well, totally new person to the Christmas light hobby, um, there's uh, lots of bits and bobs, not, not lots, <laughs> but several bits and bobs that make up, make up these shows and make up these systems. So we're talking about uh, maybe the brain of it or the uh, pulse of it, which is the networking equipment today. So what's the, well, take us through it, David. I don't know. So Bits and Roberts, what is Bits a short for? I don't know. <laughs> oh, but seriously. Uh, so when it comes down to it, if you want to make an animated Christmas light show, like it or hate it, you are going to have to deal with computer networking. Um, because um, when this stuff works together, whether it's just, you on your computer and X lights 
connecting to a controller that that has a show player built into it even if your show is that simple where it's just one controller with one show player built into it and you're building your show in X-Lights on the computer, um, you still have to network the two together in order to get them to work. And then as your show grows, more often than not, um, especially as we go into the future, we see most people have more than one controller within their show. Uh, sometimes people have controllers that are feeding data to other controllers and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and so, gosh, you know, where do you even begin, right? Is your head about to explode? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> um, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, there's a few really common sense things to know about. So let's talk about, I guess, the pieces first. The pieces you got to have in order to make this stuff work. Okay, so the first piece is um, you have your controllers, right? This is what connects to your lights. It's kind of the end of the road as far as the network goes. Now, interestingly enough, uh, depending on what controllers you have um, and when you got them and, and stuff like that, um, that controller may have a show player built in, and we've talked about that here before. And your show player is going to actually hold the sequence files for the particular channels that, that it's serving um, on that device itself. And the beauty of that is that means that in order to run and operate in your show, it needs a relatively small amount of connection to the rest of your show in order to work. Um, it just needs to know what's playing, what sequence is playing, and what the time is, uh, the time within that sequence. And so the beauty of that means that you can run wireless all day long and, and things will generally work well as long as you have kind of a minimal amount of, of signal. But even if you don't, like back in my own house, I had this little controller that I stuck out on the edge of the property and it had like one bar of signal most of the time. It kind of depended on which way the wind blew. I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, it would drop on and off the network. And you know what? For the most part, it worked fine. Um, but older controllers or simpler controllers may not have a show player built in. Or maybe you've got a controller with a show player that's not directly compatible with the rest of your show. Like if you have a Hinkspix controller uh, with a FPP-based system for the rest of your show, um, the Hinkspix controller won't sync with the sync packet sent out from FPP. I've heard a few people try to go, oh, hey, it can, uh, Hinkspix can work with Falcon. And every time somebody says that, they direct me to a post or a resource or a video where I see, no, it's they're not syncing with their sync packets. It's actually just that they're having the Falcon or the Culp or the Experience Lights controller actually connected via Ethernet to the Hinkspix, sending it all of the stream of data. Okay, um, and so when, when you have a controller that doesn't have a show player built in or not one that's compatible with the rest of your show, um, at that point, you really, really want to be connected by a network cable. Um, could you do it wireless technically? Yes, but it's prone to have a lot of problems because that data that they're getting is every single value of red, green, and blue for every single light that's hooked up to that controller, okay? That's what it has to receive, and, and it's every value for every light, and then it's like 25 times a second or something like that. And so if it drops off for a second, if it lags, 
if it drops off completely off the network uh, on a wireless setup, then it's going to look real bad. Um, whereas if it has a show player built in and all your show players are just syncing wirelessly, all the data is there in the controller. Um, it's just that they're sending sync back and forth. So if one pops off wireless for a second or two, um, it's okay. Um, it usually doesn't really drift out of sync or anything, um, and life is good. Okay, so that's kind of the first thing to look at, and I know that that could have been wordy. Um, but uh, you've got your controllers, and do they have a show player built in or not, and are all your controllers uh, with using compatible show players? Um, so then, if you do have to connect a bunch of things wirelessly, and that's our preferred way if you're starting from scratch or what have you, um, you know, connect all your controllers on a network together wirelessly. Okay, should that be your home network or should it be a show network that's dedicated? Um, you know, I, I would say if you're just doing like FPP as your show player and you're just sending sync between your different controllers on that network, then I don't see any reason why it can't be on your home network. In fact, it can be a really positive thing because then they can also get the time, the current time from the internet in order to get their schedule. Um, and so that's a recommendation there. Um, if you're using a Raspberry Pi or one of your controllers as the show player, and then you're sending out that Ethernet data to all those other controllers, and that would be E131, um, DDP, or Artnet, they're commonly referred to in this hobby. If you're doing that approach, um, then in that case, you want to wire them all together on the same network. And if you are sending that pixel data, that, that well, not pixel data, but that DMX data, that E131, that Artnet or DDP, um, we would not recommend using your home network for that, okay? So let's talk about home networks versus uh, a show network. So you've got uh, a bunch of controllers to connect together via wired Ethernet, Crystal. What would you use in order to do that? Say that one more time. So you've got a bunch of controllers to connect together wired in your yard to make a little show network. What device do you use to connect them all together? Hub. Exactly. So th there's a few terms here, and this is where the IT people are going to get mad at us, but a switch, in particular a unmanaged switch, is going to be your best friend in this case, um, where it's just a simple device, you set up all of your, your different things on the network, your controllers and your show player, with static IP addresses, they all plug into a switch together, and then they just work. Um, because the switch isn't really doing anything fancy, it just sends all the data to everybody in their hunky-dory. Um, and those are like 10 to 15 bucks for a small one that's got, yeah. let's see, one, two, three, four, five ports on it. Yeah, I think now they start at like 15 because everything costs more than you remember. But... <laughs> in life these days but but yeah at the end of the day an unmanaged switch is very inexpensive um but if you're using a mix of wired and wireless now you need to add in something more you got to be able to connect things wirelessly so in this case if you're doing uh, wired and wireless i would say just go pick up a consumer grade router and, and I, I say router, um, and I, I held up my finger in quoting marks there, because um, ultimately a home router type device is a modem 
an access point, a switch, and a router. Um, we're not gonna dive into the deep here, um, but basically uh, a, a router separate from your home router for your show network can be really helpful because you can run that DMX type data, that E131 DDP and ARTNET and or ARTNET data. Um, and it can also, people can connect to it wirelessly. And I say people, but really devices can connect to it wirelessly. So if you have some of your controllers uh, being a, a ones that have that show player built in that can go wirelessly, then that's great. Um, if you have some that are uh, that need to be wired to your your network, then you can plug them into the ports on that router. Um, but again, if you're running that type of DMX type data uh, to controllers that don't have a show player built in, don't put them on your home network because it's it's gonna have issues. Um, it either you'll see your internet slow down, um, or your show will have issues, or both, and, and nobody wants that. So. If I'm trying to create that separate network, I'm taking, I don't have to do anything with like the, the, the coax that like, I'm not actually hooking it up to the, to my internet, right? Correct. And that or brings am up, I hooking it up to my internet. And that brings up an excellent point because a lot of times with, with Christmas shows, um, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to have to run, basically have a cable that crosses the indoor-outdoor boundary of my house, right? Because it's kind of difficult to do, depending on what your house is made of, to do it right and seal it up uh, is not the easiest, especially to make it look good. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people are hesitant. They're like, hey, I don't want to drill holes in my house to run a cable from inside to outside, right, to put stuff on my network. So, yeah. The simplest, you know, wired slash wireless show network that you can do is just grab a consumer grade router. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. Literally, you know, uh, I, I, there's a lot of it depends, like how far does it need to get? Um, and that's another reason why doing a separate show network can make sense. If you just have, you know, the Comcast router box or whatever your company is uh, locally, and it's not in the best place in your house, or maybe it's in a good place to get reception in your house but you don't have good reception to it, uh, you know, on your whole front property where your show's going to be, then that would be a point where you say, okay, connecting all my stuff to this, to this router is of my home network is not going to make sense. Okay. So that's where having a separate router, both those situations make a lot of sense. And you can literally, yeah, take that separate router, grab a Rubbermaid bin or rubber waterproof, you know, a socket box or something, toss that router in there, plug everything into it, close the lid, and and then it's outside. So that way it's going to be able to reach all your stuff probably. You know, you're going to get signal to everything uh, wirelessly, and I know that simplifies it drastically, but it, in general it does. Um, it does work well. Um, and, and then you're able, you're good to go. And you can get a lot of these. My personal home router came from eBay for like a fraction of what it costs in the store but you know someone upgrades or they move or whatever there's tons of them used or in really great shape you know on the used sites so um, cost savings there totally but even i mean for a lot of these networks like for just a few controllers and a little stuff like 
I have one of these TP-Link N300 wireless routers, okay? I literally just saw it in a box this morning over in the garage, but I've used it for show networks of all sorts. I've used it to run my Christmas lights show. I've used it for stage lighting show networks. Like, it does everything we need for a lot of people's shows, and it's $20. So, you know, there, there's things you're going to spend a lot more on in this hobby, such as, um, you know, 100 pixels, right? So, oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's definitely like people go, oh, man, do I need this, you know, $300 router? And for no, for a simple show network, that's no, just no. Like, unless for some reason you just have like a really large amount of space in your yard and sticking an inexpensive router in the middle of it in a waterproof box isn't good enough, then I just, there, there's no reason for it. And yes, you don't, that's, and also to answer, I think you said no, that you don't have to be connected to the internet. Um, it just has to be a network, which is uh, different. What's the next piece that you need? You know, it, it really isn't all that complicated. Um, you just got to connect all the things up then, right? You need network cables. Um, your PC or, or Mac that you're using may need a USB to Ethernet adapter in order to uh, connect wired into this system if, if you need to connect wired, which whenever you're running stuff out of X-Lights, if you want to run it live, I do recommend being wired. Um, wireless can work, but there's a lot of caveats there. It may or may not be smooth, um, et cetera, and so it's best to go wired for that. But other than that, like, I think people a lot of times overcomplicate networking or try to get fancier than they need to be. And truly, with what we do with this stuff, a lot of times just keeping things very simple and basic and oftentimes separate from your home network is often the best bet. Now, as far as, like, putting it all together, just a regular network cable just a regular cat five cat six strewn all over your yard pretty much yeah between boxes any kind of cable does it need to be a special certain kind because it's going to be outside do i need to put it in conduit or do i just roll it out now this stuff's all temporary i mean like you know from a technical basis there's outdoor rated cable and there's cable that's not rated to be outdoor uh, over the years, over many seasons, you'll see a difference, right? Like non-outdoor cable will start to break apart. Like the, the outer, the outer sheathing of it will start to break and stuff. And so if you do use that and you're going to leave it out there a lot, like it's, it's going to wear down and break and, and kind of fall apart. Um, the plastic just kind of starts corroding. Uh, and whereas you can buy outdoor rated cables and they will last longer, um, that being said, I'm not going to tell you you can't use indoor rated cables when my show has a bunch of them in it because, you know, I've got them around. <laughs> I would recommend using black or green cables because a bright blue network cable <laughs> looks kind of ugly. Um, does not have a high wife approval factor, as they say. <laughs> um, but it's, it's not complicated. Like people... Sometimes you'll see people post and be like, oh, man, you know, I just installed Cat 8 cable for my, my Christmas light show. And sure, if something's going permanently, if you want to install it under the ground, whatever, then conduit comes into play. But for anything non-permanent that's just going outside, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Um, it's just literally running the cable. Um, you know, if, if you want to do the outdoor stuff, it's going to last longer. Um, indoor cable's cheaper. But... 
like when it comes to like data transfer rates and like cable spec and all that, like with regular old Cat 5e, the same stuff we've been using since I don't know, have we been using that since the 90s? We're gonna Google this. Mm, I it's been a while, you know. Around 2000, says the internet. Uh, wow. <laughs> oh, since 2001, says Wikipedia. So whichever you trust. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been using it since 01, and Cat5e does actually, like, that's what you see what people call Cat5, even though there was a Cat5 before Cat5e, and there's there's significant differences there. But Cat5e to Cat6 is like, is like, barely a jump like it's like <laughs> almost no different um and sometimes people are like oh man i installed cat 6 it's better well no not really if you look at the specs cat 6a uh off the top of my head is where you actually get more speed but for again for what we're doing in christmas light shows even if you have a really big show you're not sending anywhere near data to max out the cable so like the regular old good old cat 5e is gonna be fine for you for a long time in fact as we move uh through history with christmas light shows we're actually sending less data on the networks than we used to because we use show players built into our controllers now. So like, so literally the, the plainest Jane, the cat five E cable you can find is glorious for what we do. Um, and also and you can often find yeah. tons of cat five cable at Goodwill and thrift, st thrift stores. So if you're really on a budget, I don't know that you're going to find green, but uh, <laughs> if you're really on a budget, the, there's often a ton of them at the Goodwill stores. So you might be able to get a pretty decent link for a couple bucks. Um, uh, go ahead, but I have one more question for you. When yeah. You're, when you and finish your thought. People sometimes, you know, get all about like, oh man, well, Cat5e is only good for a thousand megabits per second. Um, you know, I just, I just read that spec offline. You know, it's only good for that much speed. Is that going to be enough? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you do have to remember with cable standards, that is at its maximum length, which is 100 meters or about 330 feet. Um, and anything shorter, stuff's going to go faster. So if you run speed tests across cables, like across like 10, 20, 50, 100 foot cables, like you're going to find that Cat5e is always going to exceed what its rating is. It's always going to go faster. But anywho, that's kind of an off the cuff. Just one of my, <laughs> one of the things that I, I hate when people go, oh no, we can't use Cat5e. It's only good for this much. And it's like, well, th this stuff moves faster than it's supposed to. <laughs> it's just a fact of life. Do people generally buy a spool or they just buy individual cables? I mean, I'm sure some of these bigger shows are buying spools and making custom links, um, but is it just just pick up whatever, just guess the lengths and just buy a bunch off the internet? Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you buy a box of cable from, you go to Lowe's and Home Depot, they stock it, um, you know, it's going to be cheaper than buying pre-made cables. Um, the pre-made cables... Um, have a couple benefits. They're a little bit more flexible because they're a stranded cable, whereas the box of cable is a solid cable. Um, but that's not to say, like, I've heard people say, oh, well, with solid cable, you can't really use it in a portable sense. You can't just, like, you know, when you flex, I mean, it's not flexible. When you move it around a lot, it's just going to break and whatever. But, like, 
I drag this gray cable all over my office and I'm holding it up and I have for years and it's a cable that I made off a spool of cable, you know, years ago. And it, no, it's not breaking apart and falling into pieces. Like, like it's fine. Uh, the biggest thing with making Cat5e cables is um, probably until you've done a few hundred connectors, um, you're going to hate it. <laughs> like... Like, I'm pretty good at it, and I'm not, you know, trying to say that, but, like, like I, I made a couple, I threw a couple connectors on a cable the other day at my church. It took me a couple minutes. It wasn't difficult, but it took me years to get there. Um, it's, you got There's good, lots of little strands in there. Yeah, good vision. You got to be able to see well, um, and and uh, and it's, it's fairly tedious to get used to doing it and do a good job. And so I would say if you haven't done it before, you know, some people are like, Oh, I'll get the pass through connectors, you know, get this, get that. But honestly, I would just skip it if, if it's not something you've done before and just buy pre-made cables. Um, because I just, unless I just don't see, like, it's going to frustrate you more than it's going to save you $5. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I would agree with that. It's, yeah, it's a very delicate crimping process. Yeah, like if you have a friend who works in telecommunications or IT who does it on the regular and you want to buy him dinner or a beer or something and have him build you a bunch of cables, you know, they can whip them out fast. I can make them quickly, but that's because I've made them a bunch of times. I've memorized that it's orange stripe, orange, green stripe, blue, blue stripe, green, brown stripe, brown, and, you know, I'm off to the races. And if I said that wrong, great. Um, but I don't think I did. <laughs> uh, and so, but when you memorize the color order and you've done it a bunch of times, it does go quickly. So if you know somebody, then, you know, they, they could do it too. But... But if you haven't done it before and you don't know somebody, yeah, just just skip it. Just buy some pre-made cables. <laughs> so we touched on this last episode, I think. But so since we're talking about networking, the little tester guy that Mato sells, it, is that something that could be useful for testing these networks and things or is it more for testing pixels uh the the little dragon tester is just a pixel tester um okay yeah i mean when it comes to if you're building your own network cables um you can get network cable testers just you know on the amazon or wherever um there is one that i really like is it the sperry let's see and would you recommend that this that we purchased this little gadget to have because i know tracing network issues can be yeah kind of if you're building butt. your own cables you should have a network cable tester um and there is one by sperry that say it's the tt6 4202 um which is a two-piece unit so like a lot of the cable testers are a single piece unit or like there's these, I mean, there's these $10 ones and I have one and it broke after, you know, not that long. Right. Uh, whereas the Sperry ones like 40 bucks, the, the sides separate so you can put them at two ends of an installed cable. Um, and it tells you a little bit more about, uh, when there is something wrong, it tells you if you just flip two wires or what happened a little bit better. Um, and so having, if you're building cables, you should have a, a cable tester because that is just going to help you, um, so much if, when you do mess up. <laughs> All right. So, uh, any router and making your own like key takeaways. Any router will work. 
Doesn't have to be expensive. Oh, and there, there is actually five. there is actually a good point in there on the doesn't have to be expensive route is um, we've seen issues here where if people go out and get like a mesh networking system, um, the way it works, and, and I've read the particulars and I sort of understand them, it doesn't jive well with how we run our shows and people have a lot of issues. And, and so sometimes people just try to get too complicated. Um, so keep that in mind as well. Just simple people, simple <laughs> Okay, keep it simple. <laughs> uh, router in any yeah, keep it simple, stupid with a dollar sign at the front. Um, any router will work. Any basic router, basic networking cables doesn't have to be anything higher than Cat six or even Cat five. Cat five e. Five e. Um, <laughs> Not five e. Players. Yeah, because five is different. Okay, so five e. Because five, um, I believe. Let me just double check it. Oh, no, Cat5 is twisted. Sorry, I thought Cat5 wasn't twisted. So, yeah, I mean, but 5e. 5e is the is by far the most common type out there. And okay. it's probably the cheapest you're going to find. Go ahead and upgrade to uh, a show player included package if you can, right? Yep. Because that's where we're going. Yep, anything, yeah, anything Falcon, Culp, anything that's FPP based. And so there's a billion of those out there. Um, the Experience Lights controllers should have one. They've promised it this year, and I'm going to hold them to it. <laughs> and so, and so, uh, pretty much any of the bigger names is going to have that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm, uh, I'm going to look for another used router right now. All right. She's up to speed. Um, <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, thank you guys so much for listening today. Again, uh, we're here to help you learn the basics of Christmas lighting. And if you need a place to get this stuff, such as pixels, controllers, extensions, all the things, we've got the best ones in the business, the Matos design stuff. Uh, we've got it at learnchristmaslightingstore.com and we would love to help you. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a great day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the What's Happening in Christmas Lighting podcast with David Henry. If you are interested in our Domino Beam or any other Christmas lighting equipment, please visit our Christmas lighting store at store.learnchristmaslighting.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please listen to our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Don't forget to grab our free guide to begin with Christmas lighting on learnchristmaslighting.com. Learn Christmas lighting, helping you bring the fun back in Christmas lighting.